Welcome to the Small Church Podcast, where faith, community, and ministry intersect in the unique context of smaller congregations. I'm your host, Tony Marr, and I'm thrilled to be joined by two men who are convinced they're a little bit more talented than I am. <laughs> that is right. I'm Robert Kill, one of those supposedly more talented guys, co-host and fellow small church leader. Together, we're here to explore the challenges, triumphs, and inspiring stories within the tight-knit communities that make up our smaller churches. And I'm Bruce Montgomery, the one here to bring even more to the table than these two and offer a unique perspective to our conversation. So whether you believe this talent hierarchy or not, you're in for a treat. If you're a pastor, a church member, or just curious about the world of leadership, you're in the right place. Each episode, we dive into topics that matter to you, from innovative ministry ideas to navigating the unique dynamics of a smaller congregation. So grab your cup of coffee, settle in, and let's journey together through the wonderful tapestry of small church life. This is the Small Church Podcast. Good morning. Welcome to the Small Church Podcast. It is uh, cold. It's cold <laughs> this morning. I woke up yeah. this morning and the heat in my bedroom was out. Didn't work. It was 58 <laughs> degrees in my bedroom this morning. And That's then I perfect. walked outside and Woo. it was even colder. That Eight, is the perfect temperature degrees, in a bedroom. 18 degrees outside. <laughs> I, I don't know you got dressed fast. That's illegal in some states. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like I'm in a hoodie. I don't even have a jacket on. So, um, I love this. I'm so thankful it's cold. It is about time. I'm ready for Christmas. This is Christmas weather. This is it. And I woke up and I was nervous that we would get here to the, to the church that lets us use their facility to record. And I'm like, I wonder if their heat is on a timer and it's going to be 18 degrees. In, in fairness, I was nervous about that. I was talking to my mom driving over here and I was like, I didn't bring a coat. I bet the heat's not going to be on in this place. So thankfully it is. They got to keep their pipes from busting. Don't worry. I have three or four coats in my truck. <laughs> yeah, I keep them at all times. <laughs> hey, so once again, I am Tony Marr with my good friend, Robert Kell, and uh, my other good friend, Bruce Montgomery, who is not with us again this week. He is coming to us live via satellite. Bruce, we miss you. How are you doing, man? <laughs> live via satellite. <laughs> Do you say via or via? I, I probably say, I said via. You said via. I did. Um, I probably say via then. But I don't say the Facebook. What about the Walmart? I do, do not. You go, do you go to the Walmart? No, but I have started saying the Home Depot because that's actually the that's name. That's what they say. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. the Home Depot. Is it the or the? It's, it depends on the sentence. Bruce, <laughs> what how group are of people you? I'm with. We should just start this whole thing over again. That was Bruce. How you doing? Like I said, I'm doing doing fine. Looking out the window at the at the cold cold air outside, but I'm warm, and I'm glad to be with you. And, and uh, keep it up, as uh, I enjoy I enjoy listening to you guys. Bruce is we, a, we enjoy listening Bruce to is our one too. listener. I know. <laughs> He's our one fan. It's like that thing you do. Oh, look, our fame's preceded us. It's, yeah. our, it's our fan. <laughs> oh, goodness. Robert, how's your week been? I mean, it's been good. Um, this weather, I mean, I, I do enjoy the weather, but um, coming out of Thanksgiving and it was awesome and um, really good time. And, you know, we're kind of in these couple of weeks here before Christmas and just family's healthy again and everything's really really good so loving it inflatables in the yard it I was is about a great to ask, are you fully decorated no no my wife has been really kind of behind this year and i'm like do you want to go do this she's like no i want to do this or this and i'm going okay and so but we had our 10 foot frosty in the yard like october 28th and so we've added some other inflatables 
and I think we're going to Bucky's on Friday to get a Bucky's That's Christmas, the Christmas it, tradition. It's the, well, Bucky's. no, it's the inflatable that I think we're buying this year, and so um, we're going to get a Bucky's inflatable on Friday. Is that your guys' Christmas tradition? You buy a new inflatable <laughs> each year. We typically just go to the clearance rack at Walmart, and whatever is five dollars gets added. So last year we added. Um, Whatever the like, I think a Yoda character, uh, Darth Vader, and then we've got a Max the dog from Grinch, and I don't remember what the other one. Melissa cares way more about that than I, Mickey. We've got a Mickey Mouse out there as well. Some families have a sweet tradition that they buy a new ornament for the tree every year. Some buy a new piece for their village every year. You guys buy a new inflatable. <laughs> In for the twenty yard. years, my 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 wife would like to need to buy a bigger yard so that she can have all the inflatables. You guys are preparing for the great Christmas light fight. Have you ever seen that show? <laughs> I have. Um, that I have no interest in being on that whatsoever. What we do is almost too much, like for me. It like that many inflatables is almost too much. So, so uh, I aren't, actually aren't, aren't, inf- aren't the inflatables what Bill Bill Lepp calls the vampire Santas. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't heard that. <laughs> I've never heard that either. You have to explain that yeah, one a little bit, Bill. Yeah. Bill. <laughs> well, whenever the sun comes up, they, they deflate. They they don't they're down, and then they're only alive or up when it's dark. Well, that's funny because my and wife so, actually turns ours off when we go to bed, and they she turns they're on right. I mean they're on. We record pretty early in the morning, and I mean they're on at like six a.m. Though I mean they're on and up early. and going. No, we don't record that early, but they've been up there for a while. So, yeah. I'm too cheap. I have mine on a timer. Uh, we don't have them up this year. The the boys got a little too old to, to want to and too cold to go put them up. That's normally their thing. Uh, but when we have had them up, I have them on a timer to where they're on for like 45 minutes because I'm like, this is costing me money. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in a new we're in a new house and uh, we haven't done much decorating, but our kids bring things in and, and do that. Haven't gotten inflatables for the yard yet, but we do have a a wreath over the door, and uh, it's it's beginning to look like Christmas at our house too. And that's Thanksgiving, exciting. we had 20, twenty nine people at our house for Thanksgiving. That's wow. that, that's about our family. And uh, that was, it's a wonderful time, though. Uh, you just wait in line for food, and uh, we we enjoy being together. So. I always felt like anytime I moved into a new house, it didn't really feel like home until we went through our first Christmas in that new house. Then, that, then when we got, true. yeah, yeah. I was more like the first busted pipe was when it felt like home. I mean, when the first like <laughs> emergency, the house medical emergency that you're calling when to you the plumber and degrees. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. 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 When work. you're calling the HVAC yeah. company, the plumber, the electrician, and going, uh, I need to. That's when it felt like home. So yeah, my wife actually test texted me uh, about. 45 seconds ago and said, hey, the HVAC guy can be at our house in 15 minutes. And I said, uh, sorry, I can't be there. So we may be using spe- space heaters tonight. Either that or you guys can take over and I can bail real quick. If you need to go take <laughs> care of your heat, like, well, I guess we can do that. So Hey, so uh, so we have a very special guest in studio with us today. Uh, the Don Brandon is here with us. Uh, Don, how are you doing this morning that you sat here and listened to us rant for the last seven <laughs> minutes and 27 seconds? I'm in awe. I just can't believe there was so much stuff. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> Don, asked, Don asked Bruce before we started recording, he said, how much post-edit do you do? And I said, a lot. <laughs> Don, how did you celebrate your Thanksgiving and into this this preparation time for Christmas? I celebrate it with surgery. All right. I know. I know it's oh. really really one of those things, but um, 
have a little foot issue and I found a really good podiatrist. And so I have been elevated with my foot and really going slow. Um, my daughter lives in Johnson City as well. And uh, we spent uh, Thanksgiving with them. And uh, now we're ramping up for Christmas like everybody else is. Uh, concerts and church services and all sorts of things. It's one of my favorite times of year. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, so we're going to dive right into some of the things that we want to talk about today. Uh, we, we've got Don here with us, and Don is a, a man of many, many talents. Don has spent many years in full-time uh, church work in, in a variety of roles, and now finds himself retired, kind of, I guess only in, in paycheck, retired, from uh, full-time ministry, but you you do a lot within the church world, the church leadership world, and the and the Christian community at large. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what it is that that you're into right now? I I don't know. Uh, the um, retirement is kind of fun because now I get to do what I wanted to do mm-hmm. as opposed to what I had to do. Um, but uh, I've always in loved the church. I mean, the church is Christ's bride. Dad was a preacher, and um, so I followed in that way, but my background in music and everything allowed me to be a um, music minister at pretty large churches, and December was, you know, all the uh, seasonal uh, pageants and and stuff. Now, once they let me play with the sharp scissors, and I got to actually just do the preaching, which was more of a retired retirement thing... um, I love that part because the proclamation of the gospel during um, the season, how do you make that fresh? How do you make that new? Uh, So that was a big part of it. Now that I've stepped away from even the um, weekend weekend pulpits, uh, I've been um, finding myself working with a lot of different community groups, um, a lot of different churches, just wherever the Lord puts an opening in, it's like, yeah, let's try that. That's great. And you uh, you lead, you run two different Christian men's fellowships in our local area here, the, the Tri-Cities area. Um, for our listeners that are outside of the Tri-Cities area, which I know is, is the vast majority of you, um, we, we live in a, the metropolitan area has around half a million people. I think that's about right. Uh, and and made up of three main counties, four main counties, I guess. Uh, and and you lead a Christian men's fellowship group for Washington County, which is the largest county in our area, and also Carter County. Yeah, they'd shoot me if you said I lead it. Um, I, I don't. In fact, I won't let them put me into an office uh, officer uh, position. Uh, I just love to help with the uh, the music, and that tends to be a lot of administrative things too. Because you got to think more than just five minutes before these men show up. Yeah, planning the themes, we design directories that help. There are forty seven Christian churches in those two counties, uh, twenty in uh, Washington, and twenty seven in in Carter, and I just kind of gravitated to it. There's unbelievable things when you get a bunch of guys together. Barriers kind of go down, and you ought to hear them sing. They they love to sing, and uh, some really good kingdom things happen in those uh, men's fellowships. Yeah, I'm sure they do. We uh, our, our audience here for this Small Church Podcast is um, 
predominantly small church leaders, and we we don't really like to card people at the door uh, for unless your church is 150 or less, you can't listen to this podcast. Um, but we have a lot of small church leaders, and then people that are lay leaders within small churches that that listen to our show on a weekly basis. Who are your Christian men's fellowships for? Obviously for men, but I know in working with a lot of churches that, that are actively involved in the Washington County Christian Men's Fellowship and Carter County, that you guys incorporate the, the wives and spouses a, a lot as, as well. But who is, your, who is your target audience, I guess I would say? Well, um, pretty much by definition, it's going to be the Christian churches. Um, and those 47 that I have mentioned, we target those guys. We don't hit 100%, but we get a lot of them. And uh, they come to the monthly meetings, and uh, there's always a speaker. We have a great worship time, uh, a time for food, fellowship. Uh, that's what generally takes place. Now, it goes beyond the monthly meeting. It really does. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do is encourage these guys to go back to their churches and take some of the ideas that we talk about and not just do the same old, same old at, uh, at their own churches, but to, to get outside the comfort zone a little bit. Then there's a lot of things that they do in outreach into the community. Uh, occasionally we'll, we'll help um, uh, with a property that needs to be uh, cleaned up, we'll get a bunch of guys together and just do that kind of thing. Sometimes we'll be involved in uh, uh, getting together at a, a camp, uh, trying to reach out to our younger people, having some fun with that. There's just different things that these guys will um, support through the course of the year. Um, and it's just a good way to get the uh, men uh, seeing beyond just one particular set of church walls. That's great. Are, are most of the people who come pastors, ministers, or are they uh, people that are just attenders of churches? Is it more directed towards vocational <clears throat> ministry or no, no, it's uh, it's directed to the churches. Um, sometimes we get the pastors or the ministers to come. Uh, sometimes they they uh, we're too busy for that. But we'll find some of the rank and file guys in the church, and they they come and they find the joy of of that. So I'd say the majority are just regular guys that have found loyalty in this organization and just keep with it. That's great. Uh, I want to dive into that a little bit more with you later on. And some of the things that we've talked about before uh, with within our show is the the need, uh, the isolation that a lot of times ministers feel, that pastors feel, that they uh, they sometimes tend to put themselves there uh, without the help of other people. And so I'm interested to dive into that a little bit more. That you said a lot of times that they're the the staff people, the the pastors of the churches don't come because they're they're too busy. But now that we know Don a little bit more, we've gotten a little bit of his background, we want to dive into something a little bit different with him. It is now time for Robert's favorite segment of the show. It is time for Headline News. It's time for Headline News, where Bruce, Robert, and Tony search the world over for the top headlines relevant to the Small Church Podcast, and then talk about it. And now headline news.
All right, so we are discussing this week. Uh, it is the Christmas season, and the Christian community is all abuzz because we are the one of the movies. I was going to say one of the top movies in the box office right now, but that wouldn't that, that would, would not, not be, be accurate. No. Uh, one of the movies that you can find in select theaters nationwide is Journey to Bethlehem, and it is a musical <clears throat> rendition of the Nativity Story. Uh, that has some pretty big name people behind it. And you have some uh, Antonio Banderas, I think, is plays the role of Herod in that. The the writers and producers are some major Hollywood players. The the uh, think tank behind High School Musical, High School Musical Two, High School Musical Three, High School Musical the Musical, High School Musical the production of the TV show the Musical, and Glee. I don't even know how to respond to that first part. But yeah, yes, yes, they are. I mean, you had uh, Lecrae was in there, um, one of the brothers from King Country. Um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a good, it was a good cast. Now, in full transparency, of the four of us that are sitting around here right now, the only one who has, who has seen this movie is you, Robert. Yes. You took, you took your, your bride yesterday. We did. And because you wanted to actually be informed for this discussion and went and watched the movie. Yeah, we uh, we went and uh, and sat in. I just, I, you know, I've said this before, I love theater, I love film, uh, I love movies, and so for me, kind of communicating in that space blindly uh, based on the, you know, just, you know, there, we always just kind of find an article that was out there, and based on the article that we found um, this week, I felt like had some pretty pretty strong opinions and and I kind of went in he this wasn't the first person that I'd heard that kind of said some negative things about the film and so I I went in like wanting to kind of wanting to dislike the movie because people that I respect had just given so much like negative press towards it and so I kind of went in you know I guess a little bit of that bent and that attitude so full disclosure I I am not a huge fan of Christian movies um I I was a communications major. Bruce Montgomery was one of my professors, uh, and Bruce heavily influenced me. We actually had to read a book, Bruce. I think it was in one of your classes back in the mid-'90s by Bob Briner called Roaring Lambs that that really changed my perspective on how Christians should be involved in media, both in music and film, uh, and and it really influenced me greatly. And so many times I feel like Christians put out these, the Christian community puts out these films and they're just done so poorly that they give a bad representation of the gospel and they, they just put out a bad product that a secular world looks at and says, why would I waste my money or my time on this film? And, and then you combine the fact that I am just not a lover of musicals like you, Robert. I have, I have a little bit of an issue with the spontaneity of random strangers bursting into song, choreographed dance in the middle of the street. And I, I was all for the flash mob thing that happened in the 2000s, but that was about as close as I would get to to a, a musical. And so I'm just not a huge fan. My wife and I were actually looking uh, about a week ago, looking to go to the movies and searching through Fandango. And I said, oh, there's this new movie. And then I read the reviews like you did. And every review was saying, oh my goodness, we walked out of the theater. We left early. 
And so we passed on it, uh, but then read this article by Brett McCracken in the Gospel Coalition where he had a very, very rough uh, assessment or review of the film. And uh, interested to hear what you guys, what your guys' takes are. I want to hear more from you, Robert, about having seen the film, what your takeaways were from it. I, I know that you guys both, we had, we had a double date last night, me and my wife, Amanda, and your, you and your wife, Melissa, had a, a double date last night. And I know that you guys both really enjoyed the film. Yeah, I mean, and so I think that one of the things for me um, is I, I love, I just love movies. And so I'm willing to sit through about anything for a little bit. I mean, it's, I try and go to IMDb and things like that and check, you know, what kind of, what's the sexual content? What's the things that's in there? Because I just don't want to walk into a really bad situation, but, um, but I'm, you know, but I just like movies. And so I actually will watch a lot of the Christian films that come out because I want to see what, what Christians are doing to tell the message of Jesus through different types, whether it's a rom-com, whether it's just like a, a kind of a high school-ish type movie, something that, you know, <laughs> might be the, you know, the Christian version, and this is a drastic jump here, of like an American Pie or something like that. Like, what are they doing on something when you've got way over here with Hollywood, and on the other extreme, how are you kind of attracting, trying to attract that same audience on the other side with the story of Jesus. And so I really like that. So I'm willing to give a touch of a pass sometimes in the fact of I didn't walk in expecting this to be Shawshank Redemption. Um, I didn't walk in expecting this to be High School Musical even. I mean, it it wasn't something that I was looking for that to, to be there. Um, I, I want things to hold true to Scripture. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I think that they handled every second of the film perfectly. Um, there, there's some stuff that, like, so theologically, there's, there's, there's probably one or two things that I'm going, and eh, you know, the Magi were there like the instant Jesus was born, and, and I mean, you know, and so. You know, it's just there's always these conversations around, you know, when you sit your nativity scene up at home, do you put, you know, the do you put the wise man over on the fireplace and everybody else is on the coffee table? I mean, how do you do this and how do you set it up? But, you know, so there's some conversations around if those types of things. your mantle is not historically accurate, I am not coming <laughs> over for... Um, and so we, you know, you kind of get to that space uh, when you look at culturally and just in the time um, they like they had uh, Herod's um, guards and his uh, his army, his court had um, had female guards. And I just don't think from everything I read about history when I'm studying and looking through that, that culturally that's what it would have been back then. Um, I'm not quite as abrasive as uh, as Brett is. In his article, um, I, I mean, did that ruin the movie for me? No. Um, I mean, do I feel like there's some theological issue with a female being in that role? Uh, no. Um, but I, I, I just don't think it would have been back then. So I'd rather have seen a little more historical accuracy. But as far as the movie, his big thing just seemed to be like, you know, he's got some headings like Jesus and jazz hands, and it's just like the gospel is, you know, heavy, and, you know, there's darkness and all these things. Well, I'm like, well, they had darkness. They they had they had these tense moments. They had these workarounds. And just the struggle for me so many times as I think inside of our faith, 
that we feel like that, you know, when like Joseph and Mary, you know, for just instance, because we're talking about the birth of Jesus, that when Gabriel came to them and he said, you know, hey, you know, this is what's getting ready to happen. You're getting ready to go to Mary. You're getting ready to have a kid. She's like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I'm so looking forward to all the ridicule and the things people are going to say about me and them talking about me for being pregnant before I'm married. I just can't thank God enough for that. And they just happily stroll right into this thing. I'm not saying she didn't get there, but I'm saying that I think God gives us space. He gives us moments to to ask some questions, and whether that's out loud, whether that's mentally, whether that's internally, you know, when Gabriel went to Joseph and kind of presented the same thing, like, it's not, it's not, it, like, it wouldn't be uncommon to me. I'm not turned off by the fact that in the movie, Joseph said, I need a minute, it, that I'm, I'm not surprised that his parents went to her parents and called off the engagement. Like, they still got married, and, and I actually thought the film did a really beautiful job to, like, really keep them sexually and intimately apart. Like, they never even, they did, they did nothing but hold hands until after Jesus was born, and they were driving off on a wagon to kind of escape this next phase of what's going on there, and they kissed each other. And, like, literally, I just thought that they did such a really good job in that. And if you, you know, again, this was a really kind of, yeah, I felt like that was one of the things that troubled me most about the article from Brett McCracken is the the issue you were just talking about there with the ending of the movie is he really spent a lot of time dwelling in this darkness space and talking about how the the nativity story is dark and it's not joyful and and all of that is true. There was a lot happening there and then he <clears throat> he goes on to talk about well the next chapter of the story when they have to flee to Egypt because they're, you know, there's, there's all the kids are being killed. They're, they're being murdered. And so they have to take their family, their young family and go to a foreign country. And, uh, and yeah, that's all part of the story, but that's really part two of the story. And I think that 95% of the churches that you go to on Christmas Eve service are not going to talk about that. So why, why is it imperative that the movie address that when the point of the story is the fact that the Son of God, the the Savior of the world, the Messiah that the world has been longing for for 2,473 years uh, has now come into, come into our presence, that this is, this is a beautiful, joyous moment. And uh, I, I don't know that it would have done any good towards the intended target audience to tell that part of the story. And so I, yeah. I, I just, I, I didn't know why there was so much emphasis on that within his article. Yeah. And the last thing, I mean, like you're talking, what you're talking about there. I mean, he just, he says in the article, he says the nativity story is hopeful, joyful, and uplifting, uh, but it's a, a hope and joy that lifts us up because the starting place is so bleak. And, I mean, they did. They kind of skirted around the fact. They didn't really address the fact of how many people Herod had killed in that moment. Um, they, they definitely hung to a lighter place. They kept it kind of family friendly. And and I I don't know what you do there because you know. And and Don, you're welcome to to speak into this as well. I mean, like the Bible's a, a really heavy book, and if it was made for film, kind of word for word as we have it, 
like it couldn't be played in theaters. It, it and a lot of streaming services wouldn't even run it. I it mean, would carry it would, a TVMA. I mean, rating it, on it. It, at yeah. a minimum. I mean, if there's a higher rating that they can get, a worse rating. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think that's some of the stuff I was. You thinking wouldn't about. watch it when you went to IMDb. And <laughs> no, right? no, no, I would not. I think are, also the um, uh, one thing since you uh, gave me a chance to to speak to it. I mean, let's face it: the whole story, the whole journey of life, is dark. Unless Amen. you unless you find the light, yep. and that's what Christ has done. He's given us to the opportunity to show the light, and so we focus on that, not oblivious to the difficulties that are going on around us. But that is the thing that can draw people to the the Lord. When even when the times are the darkest, the light that we shine is going to be as bright as ever. Uh, so if if the movie cast a little bit of uh, happiness along those lines, I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good word, Bruce. You have any thoughts on this? Well, I almost decided not to to go see the movie, and I haven't seen it yet, just based upon that article. And and uh, uh, sarcastically, I was wondering uh, how how long Jesus laid in the crib before he got up and did did some kind of a dance. And, and I was and singing and, and having a cane a cane and a hat on his head. It was four uh, minutes. That was, that, <laughs> that, well, that, well, that was, honestly, that's the impression that I got reading the article that, that it was just a, a, a frivolous piece. And and now now I may give it a shot. But I, I I do like the one the one video series I do like is I do like the chosen, uh, and the, not that they're always you know. They, Correct chronologically in things, uh, but they do deal with they do deal with things. I love to see the characters and what they did with that. And so it, I have a pretty high standard right now. But, but in, in Milligan's communication area that was what was made in Tony, it was meant to be that Christians would go into media and and use media and work alongside people who are in media and be a light. You know, not not uh, a hammer, but a but a light, and bring that. And I, and I I'm really thrilled that there is that much going on right now in media. Uh, this Christian, and um, I'm I'm going to probably take Carol to see this movie just to see what it's like. If 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 Robert liked it or at least tolerated it, then I then I think that it's worth me giving it a shot. Well, and I don't know that I'm always the best metric for it. Like I said, I Robert can tolerate a lot of Robert pre-ordered the Blu-ray. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's there. I've uh, I've got the pre-order of digital and Blu-ray heading to my house. I mean, as soon as they drop. All right, so that is headline news. And that was headline news. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. <laughs> At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And may God have mercy on your soul. Headline News. All right, so now getting back to Don. (laughs) (laughs) Nice little transition, little segue there. Don, we have talked a lot on our show about the importance of, of community, the importance of being connected to other believers that the Christian life is not meant to be lived alone, and yet so often uh, pastors and, and ministry leaders tend to isolate themselves. Um, and and you spend a lot of your time 
with this idea of that we are made for fellowship, we are made to belong together. And so how, how do you, why do you feel the, that it's so important to be connected uh, to other believers, to other Christians in your, in your life and in your ministry? I think because of the example of Jesus. Um, you know, he could have come down to the earth and what is it, Luke uh, chapter 2 says that he grew in favor with God and man and grew physically and, and grew uh, spiritually. Well, he could have grown physically all by himself, just hermit up someplace. He could grow spiritually because he was the son of God already, and he already had the favor of God. But to get the favor of man, that meant rubbing shoulders with the people around him and the definition of Jesus' ministry was he was willing to take that risk and not just be isolated, but to be Emmanuel, to be God among us, with us. So if Jesus' example is that, how can we um, make up an excuse that says, no, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing right here? And no preacher's going to say that. No, they, they've got connections all different places. But I think we find ourselves getting into routine so very quick. And when the opportunities come to do something that is outside of our comfort zone, maybe with this guy or, or that organization or something, no, I just don't have time. The tyranny of the time just makes it so that I can't. And I think we miss an awful lot of opportunities that the Lord is leading us into that we could maybe do better with. So on a very surface way, I, I think that's one reason why community can really help. Yeah, you, you just said something that, that I want to kind of push back on a little bit, that you said and when it comes to ministers, uh, pastors, that they've got their areas here and there. A recent Barna study showed that 80% 80, 80 percent of people in full-time ministry said that they had zero close personal friends, none. Uh, I do a lot of coaching. I do a lot of working with, with men in ministry uh, and just sitting down with them at coffee shops and uh, just talking about life and working through their strengths and, and their, their trials and their struggles. And one of the big things that I talk to with the guys that I work with, especially when we're getting started initially in our, in our relationship, is what, tell me about your friends. What friends do you have? And a lot of them will say, well, let me see, there's you, and then there's you. <laughs> and, and so I think that we have, I mean, studies show that a lot of people that are in ministry don't have those areas of connection outside of their family. And, and I think a lot of that, I know for me personally, in my time in ministry, it was because I felt like I couldn't be real. I couldn't be myself, everything that I was always on that in any relationship, any role that I played, that I had to play that, that pastor role, that you're always looking to me for something, and who, who's ever looking to be a true friend, uh, companion, compadre to, to me. And in a lot of the guys that I work with and talk with, I, I hear that same story echoed over and over and over again, that all of their relationships that they have are, are just surface and are them still playing a role? <laughs> I think uh, it comes natural uh, a lot of times because you take the risk and sometimes you get hurt. 
you know, people are going to come at you, and it's easier just to say, I'm, I'm going to cloister up here. I remember I had a really good friend in uh, Florida that worked for the space shuttle program. He was an engineer, and he once asked me, do you know the difference between an introverted and an extroverted engineer? Well, an introverted engineer, when he talks to you, is looking at his feet. But when an extroverted engineer is talking to you, he's looking at your feet. <laughs> I like that because I think preachers kind of get to the point where it's like we're just looking at each other's feet. If we have any kind of picture of Jesus, he was beyond that. I mean, people came to him. Uh, it had great risk. Uh, people liked him. Some people didn't like him. Some people killed him. But we, by definition, what community is is more than just what we do on Sunday morning. We've got to get out into the lives of, of our people and, and make it so that they, they really invite us to that. And to do that, we have to be winsome. We have to be ourselves. We'll make mistakes. There's going to be people that are going to call us on it, and yet we're going to grow through all of that. So how important do you think that it is for someone to be involved outside of just their family to have those, those relationships, those meaningful, I would even say, relationships uh, with other believers? Again, I think the example of Jesus, um, I think one of the great examples is the Samaritan woman. She absolutely did not want community. She did not want to be involved with him and did everything she could to push him off. And yet, he didn't take no for an answer. And the next thing you know, she's telling an entire town about the, the Savior. Uh, I think it's that kind of important. I think we wring our hands sometimes and we look around, why, why can't we get anybody into the pews? Well, who's your friend? You just mentioned a new contact that that you've made. It. Um, what about the the people that you inspire in the church to... Do more than just show up on Sunday morning, and this is all we do. Um, I know in past podcasts you guys have had an axe to grind with regards to um, how people will say, uh, now we're going to just all meet over at the Blue Room. Well, nobody knows if you've never been there where the Blue Room is, or Mabel over there is going to, well, we don't know Mabel and everything. So you cast an eye towards the visitor and and throw the net out wider than you think you need to throw it to draw other people in. Yeah, oh, exactly. Robert, you have anything to add to that? No, it's just really good because, I mean, it's I've been sitting with people over the last few weeks, and some of them are sharing some pretty heavy stuff, and, and it's one of those things of, like, I struggle that, you know, they're like, you, you struggle to say this because when you walk in and I see you on stage, it's almost like they start to feel like every sermon's geared at them, every thought's geared at them. And so as a pastor, you kind of stay, you kind of stay away from some of that deeper relationship because as people get to know you or you get to know them, it, it's like, well, he kind of knows this about me now. So, and you're going, I'm trying to, trying to grow the kingdom here. And, um, and so, you know, as people start leaving, you're going, man, it's just easier to kind of stay out of relationship and out of community because the deeper you get in, the harder it is. But I love what you guys are saying. And point of uh, truth, 
Don't use them as a sermon illustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't. <laughs> I use myself. And that's actually one of the, like, an odd teaching thing about me is people feel pretty comfortable with me because, I mean, it's just like, hey, here's the struggle and here's what I understand about you because here's what I understand about my life. And I'll just walk through my own personal struggles a lot. And, you know, we try not to use our boys, but Melissa and I are pretty much fair game on, on a stage. So, but yeah, no, I love this. I think another thing with regards to maybe getting outside of our shell is to be a good listener. And, oh, my goodness, that is a dying art for so many people. You and I know a guy that is a world-class listener. This guy is incredible. And listening is more than not just talking or not talking. Listening is engaging, understanding where they are. I can't remember who said it, but listening is not the time to reload mm. while the other guy is talking. And when you actually hear people and can resonate with them, that knocks down barriers immediately. There's another one. Um, knowing people's names. In our society, we just throw that off. Yeah. And if you actually take the moment, and it's not hard, to you hear the name of you, you grab onto it and, and repeat it a couple of times in your head. And the next time you see them and you just say, hey, Bob, you know, wow, they they lighten up. He remembers me. What is it? Jesus says he knows his sheep by name. Man, we ought to know him. We've been doing this show for three months, and Robert still doesn't know my name. Not a time. clue. I'm like, yo, what is up, dude? How you doing? It's really good. I want to circle back to something you said in our earlier segment that you were talking about who attends your your Christian men's fellowships, and, and you said a lot of times the the ministers, the pastors, don't come because mm -hmm. they're they're too busy. Why do you think that is? I think it relates almost exactly to the size of the church. The bigger the church, the less they're involved in any kind of community outside of the church walls. And I've talked with them, sat at tables, and they say, you know, I know I should. Or sometimes I just have so many eggs in the basket, and I just choose that one's not the one that I can go with. Um, those are maybe good decisions, maybe bad decisions that they've they've got to make. But I think that's part of it. Um, I think sometimes ministers feel threatened. Hmm. They they don't they got their flock. And they don't want uh, to go outside the walls because they may lose them. They may hear a better preacher out there and, well, I'm going to go to that church. And yeah, you got to run that risk because uh, when you get the opportunity to meet other guys, uh, you get other ideas and you get other opportunities to, to grow. And then it becomes beyond just these men's fellowships. We, we start to learn each other. We start to take each other out to lunch. Hey, man, I'm having a problem with this one guy in the church. Um, and, wow, they can start to give you ideas. Yeah, we had that problem too. Or guess what? They were at our church once, and then they moved to, to your church, and here's how we handled that or whatever. So it it gives uh, an overview of the kingdom that is beyond just, say, one, one little church. That's great. Do you think that, uh, that that fear of competition, that fear of we're going, if I take my men to this other place that they're going to leave, that that hinders the growth of their own church? Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it 
calls into question their view of what the kingdom is. I mean, John the Baptist is, you know, he's going to have to increase. I'm going to have to decrease. And if we're holding with talon grip what we pastors think are, are ours, and the Lord is saying, well, loosen up a little bit on that. I've, I've got some areas that may go, it's a, it's a step of faith, but in the end, I think the Lord will bless us more than had we not taken those risks. So you've worked in large churches and small churches. Uh, in your small church, the small church experience, how have you seen positive impacts of being involved in the larger Christian community as a whole? Well, I think some of it is through these men's fellowships, and you know, obviously that's just the guys, but when they um, realize they're not the only duck in the pond, that there are other guys out there, and we always have a uh, time of refreshment, meal and everything, I do not understand why food is so important to community when you break bread. But these guys gather around, and they just start talking about who knows what, sports or whatever, but the Lord is overseeing it, and he kind of brings it all together. When those guys come back into the church on Sunday, they're different. They, they, they're they a little more open to being involved. They heard a really good preacher the last, last time, and they're starting to incorporate some of those ideas in there. Now, I think it's beyond that, too. Uh, it's beyond just the men's fellowship, but let's say... We're dealing with so much uh, in the post-COVID time where we've got people that are just now saying, I can just sit on my couch. Why, why would I want to you know, come out? I'll just listen to the preacher, and that's good enough for me. Well, obviously, that's not community. That's, that's entertainment. Um, when we get people to realize on a Sunday morning what is happening there, but that's just the beginning— so many other churches are starting to reach out. You and, you and I, again, know of a congregation every fifth Sunday. They don't even meet uh, every uh, fifth Sunday of a month. They instead make that an outreach time. They go in out into the community and serve in four, ten, seven different places. And people are starting to realize that this community is, by definition, part of service. And so it's not just whether I like the songs on Sunday morning. It's not whether that preacher made me feel comfortable or didn't make me feel comfortable. It was what am I giving to the bride of Christ and, and to the greater uh, community shining the light? So men's fellowship and um, broader ranges like that. So in that, like, and I, I may be asking a question that isn't 100% answerable here, but a lot of the, the the people who are listening, the the pastors and the leaders who are here, they're they're volunteer or bivocational inside of their organization. And so when we talk about time, because we talk about this sometimes, even at my church, where like student ministry is a volunteer position for us right now. Um, our children's and worship are part time um, roles inside of the church that, I, that I'm at. And, and so how do you encourage, and we've talked about some like it, bringing on good volunteers who do ministry in other spaces can feel competitive, but it really should feel like, man, if God's gifted somebody and he's given them a ministry and they're serving in that, how great is it that they can come in? What kind of encouragement would, would you give to these bivocational and very stretched pastors and leaders of the importance of going, hey, 
like we can talk about these pastors that might be full time and going, oh, I'm just big. The church is big. I'm busy or this and and you know, and they kind of give in the hem and haw of why they do or don't go. But what about these, you know, these leaders that are really getting up and they're going and working the loading trucks at UPS? They're running electrician, elect their their electrician during the day. They're trying to be at their kids' ball game, put their kids to bed at night, spend time with their spouse, and then and then go and and try to you know still lead the church and love people well. The importance of of carving out that time just for their sanity. Is there something inside of that? Because I know for me, like the sanity comes when I'm sitting in stuff like this, where I get to talk with friends who help me. Is there something you would say specifically to bivocational people inside of that space that you think could help them to go, okay, I know it's going to feel like a stretch, but man, you really need to prioritize this step. Every Monday morning, I get to meet with a group of retired ministers, uh, and they're all, oh, they're going to hate me if they hear this, (laughs) 10 or 15 years older than me. (laughs) And uh, sometimes the younger ministers is, why are you you hanging out with those old guys? Because it's the only place I can go to that they still call me kid. (laughs) Uh, I love those guys, and we, we learn so much on that. And one of the things that speaks to what you were saying was we need as ministers to hold things a little more loose. So when you get a volunteer or a bivocational person, let them try something. If it doesn't fit lockstep with your your pastor plan, then maybe the Lord's got a, a, a different idea for that. Speaking to the other thing, yeah, I get it. There, uh, It's easier for me to say this now because I just don't have the tyranny of a, a clock going on. But even when I did, I, I, I don't know, somehow it was inculcated in me that we had to make time for community. We had to make time for people. And it was more fun than sitting at a desk and filling out a board report or something. Uh, churches need to probably cut down on the paperwork a little bit and do more of the people work. Mm. Yeah, no, that's so good. And and I think that I love the phrase that you, you've used it two or three times today, just holding things loosely. And that's a phrase that I, I, I think about a lot and I say somewhat often. Like we as a church, we're, we're ne- the church I work at, we're a network of churches. So we got three campuses and we, we strategically plan kind of a year of our teaching series. But we hold those things really loosely. And if God's doing something or something happens inside of our society or maybe one of our particular communities, there's a freedom to go, hey, this is happening here. God's doing. And so that's something really specific that I can say. And I know in the scheme of life, Sometimes if you just go, I'm just holding it all loosely, and you go willy-nilly through life, and you don't accomplish anything. But, like, you can be on mission because, Tony, somebody that's in the last couple of weeks, might have been Jamin a few, I mean, a couple months ago, um, just said the greatest ministry happens in the interruptions. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I mean, I, I was walking out of Panera the other day, and... I, I think we see that in Jesus' life. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I was walking out of Panera the other day, and my son had bought a keyboard on Facebook Marketplace from this uh, gentleman. He's 89, retired um, army colonel, pastor, concert pianist, unbelievable guy. We, he, we, we met with his caregiver, basically, and she introduced me to him. And I'm walking out of Panera 
you know, a week later and he sees me, he's like, hey, sit down. And I'm going, I got 19 places to be. An hour and a half later, I've sat at Panera with him and his wife, and we have talked about life and ministry, and I've heard his stories. And I told him 10 minutes in, I was like, you're a pastor, you're a musician, and a photographer. Like, I've known you 10 minutes, and you're my idol. And I mean, I hope at almost 90 years old, I can be as faithful in ministry and serving and loving people. And so I just, I think that, I love that phrase you're saying, and uh, just to hold things loosely, uh, and just, you know, not just be... We should be looking for the interruptions, but not just looking for interruptions, but looking for the interruptions that Jesus and God is putting intentionally in our path, that the Holy Spirit is working. Robert, that is that is classic. And it, why would God put an opportunity for service like that if we're not going to take it? Amen. I think it's it's a prayer that we need to be praying at the beginning of every day. Dear God, here's my agenda. Here's what I'm going to try to do today. And oh, by the way, if you want to blow it up, you've got my permission to do that. Help me to see and Make that. us aware to that. Classic yeah. example was the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus is in the midst of teaching the masses. And um, and Jairus comes up and 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 says, "You got to help my daughter." Sorry, I'm I'm teaching the masses here. This is this is the important thing. Getting my board report ready. And no, no, no. He goes off with Jairus, and then on the way, he gets interrupted again by by her. God is in those interruptions. I yeah, think absolutely. All right. Well, it is time for. We'll circle back to this in a minute. But right now, it is time for us to move on to everyone's favorite segment of the show. Signs. All right, Don, you said you had a church sign for us this week. Hit us with it. I'm stretching the envelope a little bit, but it's a Tennessee church. And it's clear that they are into Tennessee football. And on it, it said, if um, Alabama was playing Iran, I'd root for Iran. <laughs> and that's your sign of the week. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot. I'm a Bama fan, and uh, I feel that a little deeply. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That one cut. That c- <laughs> Love hurts. Uh, I don't know. So there you go. All right, so can we let's talk for just a minute about the role of small churches in in building community. Don, for several years, Higher Ministries, who puts on this podcast, uh, we ran, we were the organization that ran the East Tennessee Christian Convention, which at the time was the longest running consecutive gathering convention in in the United States. It's almost two hundred uh, years. Wasn't yeah, it? crazy. And uh, one of the things that we found is at the time that we were running it, I was on staff at a very large church. And because of that, we held the convention at that church several times. We also had other large churches in the area host the event. Uh, and then sometimes we used Seeger Chapel at Milligan. Uh, but one of the things that, that we found that really surprised us at first was that even if it was being hosted at a large church, and we would promote it. We would promote it and promote it and promote it within that church. When the actual convention would happen on a Sunday afternoon, typically Sunday evening, none of our people would come. It was all people that attended smaller churches that would come, and you would have 
hundreds of people from dozens of congregations from around the region that, <coughs> excuse, excuse me, that would flock to this place for this convention because they wanted that community. They wanted that experience. But yet, <coughs> the people from the larger churches, unless they, unless they were directly involved through the worship team or the choir or something like that that they were asked to be a part of, they didn't come. And uh, I, it really bothered us that we couldn't get our own people from our own churches to come to this thing. And then the more that I began to process and, and think on that, I wonder if it's because large people that attend a large church already feel like they're a part of the broader Christian community because they're they're worshiping on on the weekends and in small groups with with hundreds, if not thousands of other believers, where those that are in smaller churches, uh, under 100 or less, uh, sometimes churches that are under 20, uh, that they're excited to see that there's more people out there like me than just those that I'm with every Wednesday and Sunday. And so I'm interested in the role that the smaller church can play in broadening Christian community in the in our society at large. It happens exactly as you say, because I think the smaller church is often more available than the big church. Well, we've got our agenda, you know, we had to, you know, you got to plan six months in advance before you can get something uh, on the docket in a, in a larger church. And it is a vision thing, too. Um, larger churches and worked with them all the time. Well, this is our our stuff. We don't have time for the, the stuff that's out there. The music things often were the ones that broke those barriers down because we were inviting people from all over the community. And so you had to organize that and think that through. And it, it gave us the opportunity to have a lot of different people come in uh, to see those, those programs and the like, and then we'd, we'd follow up with it. But for the small churches, I think they're open. I think it's exactly what you said. I think they're they're more jazzed to be in a group of two hundred than a church that runs four hundred would have. Well, well, this is this is small potatoes here, not for those guys. And the excitement gets up there. They hear good quality teaching, good quality preaching uh, for for the things that are going on. The music is different than Aunt. Martha, who always does the exact same thing. And I think variety is is really the spice of life when it comes to churches. And it is so easy, big church, small church, for us to just do the same thing. Right, right now, because I'm retired, um, I get to go to all, and my goal is to go to all 47 of the Christian churches. I've gotten to about half of them. And there's not a one of them that I can't find something I love about. Well, really, really awesome. But you can always see as an outsider coming in that, yep, this is how they always do that. And they just assume that everybody else is going to know it. And communion is the worst moment because I don't know, do we hold it? Do we, do, do we, do we go up to a table? What do we do? It's not even explained. You just got to kind of look around and hope that you don't. Because uh, the Christian do, church does communion weekly. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, forgive me. No, 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 you're good. And uh, one church, it had in the bulletin that we're going to uh, hold uh, these elements and take them uh, all together. And then they didn't because they changed that, but nobody ever changed the bulletin. So it, it's kind of funny. How... I had a church a couple weeks ago that I was speaking at. Uh, I was filling in for the 
the pastor that was out of town, and I was on stage when they were doing communion, and uh, someone came and handed me, you know, passed the the plate for me to get my my little plastic wafer and my my little cup, and uh, I looked around and and I just took it on stage, and then I realized nobody else is, and I turn around and look behind me, and on the big screen behind me it says, "Please hold on to your elements, and we will all take together." But I that was behind me, so I didn't see it, and everyone's kind of staring at me like you are in so much trouble. Because <laughs> Un- you just unblessed that. communion. It was. You can't filter out all the things like that. But it was like what we were talking about before. You can have a, an eye towards the visitor. Well, we haven't had a visitor in 15 weeks. Maybe that's part of it. We just need to make this yeah. more of a friendly place. Yeah. Bruce, you have been out of sight, but definitely not out of mind today. You have any thoughts to, to add to this conversation? Well, I have a lot of things that I've written down, but I'll see where I can probably put them in. But you, you remember that one metaphor that, that, I, that I used a long time ago, bowling alone. I think part of it is that Americans are, are bowling alone. You know, if, you've ever, if you ever bowl, it's not fun to be out there in the lane by yourself. And, and we're, we're lonely and looking for, for family. And what I hear doing, talking about the churches you work, you work with, you try, you try to listen to people, you um, help them, you love them, you work alongside them. But the things I haven't heard is, are things like you need to take the mask off yourself and uh, and take it down and be, and be yourself and take a risk anytime you're there. And, and what I found when I was working with, with campus ministry, the best thing I could do was take the mask off or go, or go do something with the people that we were working with. And... Uh, we have we have relationships now that have lasted 50 years with some of those students, and they still call us. They still come visit, and we're and we're still close because we shared life together. We we didn't uh, always put on our best uh, clothes and our best smile and and uh, try to fake our way through it. And I think that's part of what when we ministers get together, they're trying to fake their way through it. Uh, I, I'm doing as well as you are. Um, uh, or we can do this or that, and, and they don't, don't always take the mask off, and, and, and they don't always take the risk that, that that means. So loving people, working alongside people, those are things I, I heard and heard being done today, and, 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 and applaud. But um, I, I still, I'm, I'm one who doesn't like to go into a ministry meeting. Never, I never, I never did in all the years that I've been ministering. I'm retired now, and uh, honestly, I'm, I'm thankful that there aren't any ministers' meetings around. And, and I don't know why that is, but I think part of it is listening to all the stories that um, are where they're the heroes and maybe not hearing enough stories where they're really real, real and, and dealing with things. And so that's the other thing I think I didn't hear is when we do get together with people, do we share our story? And, and can we tell them stories? And do we listen to them? And if we don't listen, then it's... Then it's uh, it's not a relationship. Bruce, I, I really appreciate what you said there. And that's one of my challenges with the men's fellowships is to make them more than, oh, look at us, and, and just a carbon copy of one month after the other. We try our best to get every month to look different, to look real, to get um, to be so valuable that those preachers and those churches that aren't as involved are going to say, you know, I've really got to start checking that thing out. 
raising that bar is not easy, but um, that's kind of what I got tasked to do, and uh, I make a lot of friends doing it, and some people don't like doing things differently, but it's part of what we do. Yeah, great discussion. Thanks, Bruce, for those insights. It is is now time for Jeremy and Virginia's favorite part of our show. And now, Pastor's Picks. What are we reading? What are we watching? What are we listening to? Does anyone really care? Probably not. But we will tell you anyways. So somebody actually likes this segment? Somebody likes the segment, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we're gonna we're gonna attack we're gonna attack Pastor's picks a little bit differently this week Ooh. because we are in the midst of the Christmas season, right on. And so this week we are going to each give our all time favorite Ooh. Christmas movie. Now I'm I'm throwing you guys off this week because I didn't give you ample time to prepare for this and and. Don is really looking wide-eyed right now. He's, he's the, the wheels are spinning on You have to narrow it down to only one. So I'm going to give you ample time right now that this week we're talking Christmas movie. Next week we will discuss favorite Christmas song and why. So favorite Christmas movie. I'd rather do the song than the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a song. I, I know can, my favorite. I can do both. Yeah. If we want to switch it for Don, we can. We'll switch it for Don. Favorite Christmas song. We are calling an audible here on the Small Church Podcast, <laughs> and we are going Pastor's Omaha, Picks Omaha. this week. There we go. Favorite we got it. Christmas song. Don, why don't you kick us <laughs> off? Oh, my gosh. Because I grew up in the church and everything, um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Great song. What an absolute... I did an entire sermon series for Christmas uh, on that. Charles Wesley wrote it. Um, the music uh, by Mendelssohn. It was a God thing that those two things came together. But oh, the theology of those four verses, and the fourth verse most people don't know, uh, just... What would Christmas be without that beautiful hymn? Hmm. I'm going to need that sermon series emailed to me. So, um, <laughs> go. I've got two. Uh, I have kind of uh, just two. A, well, it, no, but see, that's the thing. Is I'll, that I'll, 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 I'll allow it. I'll, 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 allow I'll, it. I'll quickly explain. I have one that would just be kind of a Christmassy thing, and I have one that is more the reason for the season. So my Christmassy one, just kind of everybody sings, it's on the radio, is Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh, my gosh. And uh, it is my favorite Merry version. Christmas, baby. <laughs> and sorry for down. I love that song so much. And then um, Oh, Holy Night is my favorite i just like when i go see trans-siberian orchestra or whatever it is when they when that song whether it's an instrumental a choir or you know six people standing at my door like it is my favorite christmas song across that is number one 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 and then way down is santa claus is coming to town but i that is man i just love that song for four years, I did a, a Christmas show every year with my friend Stephen James that we tell the story of O Holy Night, uh, tell the, the entire cool. historical background behind it, um, and it's, it's phenomenal. That, that would also be my favorite uh, faith-based song as well, O Holy Night. Um, the, the show was called The Thrill of Hope. I love that mm. line. I love yeah. that, that line in there. And just the second verse of that, I think, for when it was written and when it was translated from French into English, uh, I, I think what those words of the second verse, truly he taught us to love one another, uh, chain shall he break for the slave is our brother. 
that was, uh, we were in the middle of a war on slavery as a country uh, when that song came out in, in the United States. Uh, small little fact, little known fact, did you know that Old Holy Night is the first song, the first song ever broadcast over radio waves? No, I did not know that. On Christmas Eve, it was broadcast, played by violin from a lighthouse off of the coast of Massachusetts. Um, broadcast over the first radio waves ever. So that is my favorite. I love uh, that song so well. much. My favorite non-faith-based would be Nat King Cole's version of the Christmas song. I mm. love that song. Love it. Yeah, Bruce, how about you? Well, I'm just, I'm just going to spoil the thing. Uh, I'm just going to write, write to White Christmas, and both the movie, the play, I'm gonna mute and you the right song. Now. <laughs> Not that version, I'm assuming. Uh, but a white Christmas is my nightmare. Not the song, just the actual thing. I don't. I don't, I don't want. I don't want a white Christmas. I just like the song. Uh, I hate the weather. <laughs> well, there you go. I want to mute him. Uh, Let me also Carol say that uh, just, just last night, just the other night on 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 TV, Carol found it for me. And we watched it again. It's, it's, it, even my, my kids, all of them have to see White Christmas. I do like the, the uh, Oh Holy Night uh, thing that you brought up. I, uh, but but um, if you ask me a favorite song, Christmas, it's White Christmas with my fingers crossed. Because I you know, if I have to travel, I don't want it to be a White Christmas. And since I don't get to be here next week and do the movie, this is my favorite Christmas movie. And it's you know, surprise, but it's a Muppet Christmas Carol. Love it. That Love it. my whole that family every Christmas has got to do that. We got it memorized. We loved it. It's one of my top five. Absolutely love. I'll it. save mine because I've got a list. But yeah, yep. I, well, that's a good flick. All right, so that was Pastor's picks. That was Pastor's picks. And that's about all the time that we have for today. So uh, very want to want to thank everyone for being a part of the show today. We definitely want to thank Don Brandon for being a part of the Small Church Podcast. Woo-hoo! If you would like to find out more about what he's doing, how you can get involved with the ministries that he's involved with, Don, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, just by email. And uh, the easiest one is Don B. Don, D-O-N-B-D-O-N, yahoo.com. All right. Don B. Don at yahoo.com if you want to find out more. Uh, I think what we learned today is that if you would like to be a part of a pastor's group, you should get a hold of Bruce. He would love to do that with you. Uh, and on behalf of Robert Kell, Bruce Montgomery, Don Brandon, I am Tony Marr. We want to thank you for listening to the Small Church Podcast. Please be sure to tune in wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Join the discussion with us on Facebook. Like us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We will see you next week, and you can be looking forward to our favorite Christmas movies. Have a great rest of your week and a very Merry Christmas. And we are out. Let's go! So you never asked. I never got to the point where...